Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Thank you, folks, for tuning into another episode of Bucks of America Podcast. This is my second podcast here at the Kalahari at the uh, Open Season Outdoor Expo. Now, this has been a fun trip because uh, yesterday I was here, recorded a podcast with Captain Luke's, and then today with you two gentlemen here, I have Travis Bigger and I have uh, Brian Sparks from Lucky Seven and uh, what bigger, B- bigger, bigger bucks, bigger bucks outfitters, bigger bucks outfitters, outfitters Henderson County, Illinois. That. Yeah, so these gentlemen right here, they've known each other for a long time, and this conversation would be a lot of fun because Brian's been talking uh, up Travis for months. He's like, he every few months he asks me, have you heard to Travis yet? And so when I found out that you're going to be here, when he told me yesterday, that's why that's why let's like let's sit right. down and do this. I figured since you're coming in town, it's like like I can actually finally meet you face to face and have a fun conversation here. So man, Travis, why don't you tell the audience like what's the where, how did Bigger Bucks Outfitters get founded? So first of all, Brian and I, we got a pretty strong bromance going on. We're, we're, we're <laughs> I know, BFFs. I know the feeling of my buddy Brady so, over here. That's right. That's right. So uh, Bigger Bucks Outfitters is located in Henderson County, Illinois. We're all free range, fair chase. Um, we got really big deer. We're uh, we got about eight thousand acres right now. We got the lodging, the whole nine yards. Brian's been there, seen it all. Um, we got started. That we're going into our fifth season here now. But my brothers okay. and I, we've guided for over 20 years uh-huh. and then guys started saying you know you guys ought to just you ought to be outfitting you know you got all this utilize it so here we are we're getting a little bit bigger and better every year and so when you guys got guided were you guys primarily in illinois or did you yeah. guys no we, we, were, we were right in henderson county illinois um so what it was we would get our guys from the east coast that would come out from new jersey new york things like that all right and they would have their own leases and things like that and they would be asking people, oh, you know, where are the big deer at? How we do this? How we do that? And local people be saying, you know, get a hold of the bigger brothers. They, okay, they know what's going on, and we here we are now. You know, that's fantastic. They got no. Do you lease these eight thousand acres? Did you actually buy all this? So we we our family owns a lot of it. We farm also uh, beef, cattle, corn, soybeans, and then we lease farms also. Interesting. Now, since you guys you since you farm as well, do you guys plant? Food plots, or do you yes. just utilize the the yep. what you already have? So we'll season? leave uh, in the state of Illinois. There's no baiting, no mineral sites Correct. allowed. Yes. So, but what you can do, anything you can grow up out of the ground is fine. So, um, here the past couple of years, we've got into turnips, radishes, things like that, rye grass. We'll leave standing corn, soybeans, things like that. Mm-hmm. And once the deer, of course, the deer are born and raised around the corn and soybeans. That's their natural. They love it, you know, especially the soy. If you can leave soybeans standing through the winter, yeah, it's a, it's a, the deer are going to come to them, you know. And we've got them now over the past few years. They're getting used to the turnips, radishes, things like that. So if, when they find the turnips and radishes, they'll just, they're, they're in it, man. They love it. That's fantastic. Then, so then, when you decide to plant those turnips and radishes, that was this something that you guys have experimented in the past with? Well, we've seen it was working down south really good. They've been doing it down south for years with uh, 
growing sweet potatoes and radishes and turnips and things like that. And we thought, well, we're going to try it up here. And the, the, the first year, it wasn't real great. The deer didn't know what was going on. But once they get a taste for it and the new generation, and they now that we're in about year five of, you know, really doing really good food plots, they're, they're up and they're flourishing, man. The deer love them. Nice. And then I'm assuming you guys cater to both uh, ground blinds and deer stands. Is, yeah. Or, okay. I wasn't quite sure. Now, do you guys also work with tethered or not tethered, but uh, doing uh, harnesses now? Yes. And doing so and everybody has to have a harness with us, no matter what, unless you're in an elevated blind or a ground blind or something mm-hmm. like that. But we run ground blinds, elevated blinds, ladder stands, lock-ons. Oh, really? We so you kind of cater to the, the obviously cut of the customer. So when you come to hunt with us, the farms are set up and ready to roll. They're, everything's checked. Everything's safe. We got safety lines on everything you're you're snapped in from the time your feet leave the ground very exciting then now as as an outfitter then do you guys do go through an insurance agency too as well to have to have that kind of extra coia yes yep yep we're we got all our insurance we're uh we're licensed through the state of illinois if you go on the state of illinois uh, dnr website we're actually on the list of uh, preferred licensed outfitters for the state of Illinois. Okay, just because of your guys' success and how you guys well, yeah, cultivate. We're, we are licensed through the state. We are a licensed uh, resident outfitter. That means we live in the state of Illinois. We live where okay. we hunt. So now, is that is that is that a requirement for the state of Illinois, or is that just something you, you... must be licensed okay. in the state of Illinois to be a to be a, a legitimate outfitter, outfitter or a guide? Okay. Yes, we are. All, all our guides are licensed. Yep, through the state of Illinois. Our guides are licensed. We're licensed outfitter. So that really helps with the taking care of all the hinky stuff and such. Right. Like I, I had uh, uh, Brett, Brett Smith on my podcast here last fall, and he shot a, a beautiful 194 class out of um, out of Minnesota, southeastern Minnesota. He's an insurance salesman. He was telling me like how people were going away from just giving people permission and moving into leases and why they do right. leases to kind of protect them. And they're covered, you know, mm-hmm. and as, as in – an outfitter with my dad and my brothers and everybody um we have to carry the insurance through the state of illinois so if we go to talk to a, a landowner or a farmer about land we can show them that documentation they know that we're insured we're licensed we know what we're doing you know that it's not going to be just a bunch of guys out there doing stupid stuff on four-wheelers and whatnot yeah. i mean we're, we're actually out there legitimately doing what we're supposed to be doing now is that something that if you're if, like let's say just a n- normal joe like myself is that having that type of backing just to ask for permission to hunt? Does that give, give the farmer a little bit more ease of um, yep. eases their their anxiety about letting you come on their hunt right. property? So where we're at, I've lived there all my life. Yeah. So in Henderson County, uh, our population as of last year, I think it was for Henderson County, for the entire county, we only have 6,300 people. Okay. In the whole county. Yeah, I was there last year, kind of going around town. We drove around uh, being with... Keep the mouse, oh. my, my consistent in front of your mouth. Okay, so, sorry. Yeah. Um, I would, we went down there and visited and uh, took some rides around. It's like being a, with a celebrity. Everybody there knows I, who, I mean, who I, the I was born and raised there. I know everybody. You just like when the Mattingly's show up around the place because they live over... Um, Deer Grove in Illinois, so they're not they're about an hour from you. Right. When they show up anywhere, everybody knows their name. Yep, it's all and and some guys will even call me. Hey, Travis, you know I got uh, I got this timber's been sitting dormant for a while. You want to lease her? You want to hunt it? Well, absolutely. You know? Okay, so works out pretty nice. So, how did you two cross paths then? The beginning of this bromance. We met online mostly. Yes, uh, it was an online deal. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was like yeah. online dating for, for, for hunters, <laughs> right? No, we were on, uh, I got all my bigger buck stuff up and running and I was, 
Um, I heard a bunch of really good stuff about Brian and some of the stuff that he was doing from like mock scrapes and things like that. Yes. Um, I don't even remember what, it was a hunting site somewhere and we just got to talking and here we are. That's pretty unique. You know, that's how, like how I ran into you, Brian and what, and how we began our conversation. Like, cause we talked about every, every few months and such. And it's like, you're always, I always, I brag about you so much because it's like, when, I, when we sat down for our conversation here a few months ago, like the amount of knowledge you gave me and how you, how you understand the nasal patches of a whitetail is just mind blowing. I tell people look at listen to that podcast if you really want to get inside that uh, a, a, inside the mind of a whitetail. It's just it's a great uh, reference for people to go check out. And I, I personally I have a lot of fun with it with the chemistry and the biology and, and everything that goes into making a, a quality a synthetic deer scent. So I, I do like talking about it. It's it's a good outlet. It's it it you know pays for my hobby of hunting. You know, it gives me a little bit more motivation. And uh, and then when I meet people like Travis that are doing other things in the industry, I can talk to him and learn a little bit. Yeah. I can talk to you about podcasting. I just like sharing the information sometimes just as much as I do the actual hunting. Uh huh. So then no, do you do you have an opportunity to go down and hunt with Travis? I haven't hunted there. I visited. Yeah, what, we went and down. saw six ten properties when yeah. I was down. Um, and then we, uh, ate he's a lot of food. He's coming down with us this, he'll be down with us this fall. That's fantastic. Um, if, if I get lucky, I get drawn for it. It's like, we, we should buddy up and stuff like that. Just be a hoot. Bring it just, oh, absolutely. It would be just absolutely. a lot of fun. Now you guys, bourbon drinkers, beer drinkers, what are you guys' uh, flavor? Um, I'm, a, I'm a Mountain Dew man. Oh, okay. So you don't I'm drink. I'm Mountain Dew and iced tea. Yeah, I, I don't drink. I, uh, okay. But I got no problem with people that do drink. I just don't. Uh, I'm not a drinker. I got you. you know, nothing wrong with that, man. It's like I, my buddy here, Brady, that's uh, that's running the sound man here. Is like we record another podcast on Fridays. It's called After Dark, and so we'll we'll, we'll open up some uh, spicy beverages and enjoy yeah. a nice conversation. We did a three and a half hour podcast last night. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it's, it's like I I have a very exciting life where I just kind of maximize the most potential out of it. Absolutely. That's cool, man. <laughs> that's awesome. So then now, Brian. So then so. Do you, does do you help? Do you use his uh, use his farms for research then for your mock scrapes and such? We did put out some mock scrapes. Yep. We did have some yes, of our scent on mock and, scrapes, and, and I got some awesome pictures of different stuff. And I like I'm I'm a firm believer in like uh, horizontal rubs and things like that. And Brian and I talk through stuff, and so Brian is probably one of the most intelligent men I've ever met. I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to talk but he's he's a very smart man so he's breaking down trying to talk to me about chemistries and what we're doing here i'm like brian just let me put it on the ground let me do my thing (laughs) i i i i I trust you let me just you know i'm a deer hunter you know and then he's like well here's how we're doing this and it's like hey cool man let's just do it you know and it it works it's 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 unreal i mean and the new stuff that i got today i can't I can't wait to go home. And- is it, can, we, can, we, can we talk about the new product? Yeah, uh, it's, we've had it up on the uh, Facebook page and stuff, and it's I, I've started putting it on the uh, website. It's just not complete yet. I have to get photographs and all that. Okay. Labels. For the mock scrape magic and this. Now, how do you utilize this? Because, like, I don't – I've never – I'm still learning. I'm still like learning curve, even though I'm surrounded with a lot of intelligent folks about this. But I don't typically use these, and because I'm always bounced around from public land, so it's like I don't have the opportunity to be able to, to cultivate this stuff. So it's like, how would you? How, how does this use? So I, am I right, Brian? A little bit goes a long ways. Uh, uh, so that don't look like a whole heck of a lot, but that should last a guy 
quite a while. Yeah, right? that'll last a whole season or more right. if someone that's making quite a few uh, mock scrapes. It's basically 2.3 ounces is what fits in that bottle. Yes. Um, and that's you have the bottle that it's going to be uh, produced in. That uh, You could probably make dozens of scrapes with that. It doesn't take a lot. Um, the reason I did a powdered synthesis, as you know, I, I, I post everything on, on my Facebook page. Um, the testing we do, we post the successes, of course. We post our failures. You saw me struggle with a formula. Yes, yes. Uh, a liquid, one of the liquid formulas earlier. Um, and luckily, I, I have friends that are also well-versed in chemistry and uh, are able to help me sort some of that out sometimes, and I can't can't figure it out on my own. And, and that's what actually happened with the liquid one we're coming out with. Um, so yeah, we... We, we do all kinds of things. We're, we're always trying to improve. A lot of people know my opinion of the synthetic scent industry, that it's kind of a lot more geared to selling stuff to the hunter than it is to, uh, for the deer to like it. I'm, I'm kind of taking the opposite path. I, I really want to, you know, for instance, this formula came all about because in a liquid version, I've been working on uh, an improved tarsal scent. Uh, science and the people selling scent have had tarsal wrong for years. It, it wasn't correct. The formula was not correct that they were using. Okay. So I went to improve that and, and make it a, a real one, and we've done that now. And uh, in the process of doing that uh, for the liquid version, it just kind of struck me. You know, I I always think about how I can make things easier because it, you do want to make, as you're producing it, make it easiest to do so it's cheapest for the hunter. You know, we're always trying to be a good value, too. And uh, as I was thinking about formulating this one and how I could make it easier, in this particular formulation... I thought about it for a while. I, I can actually do this without any of the liquid. Right. Okay. And uh, so then I decided to do the powdered one. There's infused scents now, but there, I don't think there's a pure 100% powdered scent out there. There's no filler. There's none of that in there. It's just scent. Because I've seen like gel being a popular one being used by a few competitors and such. And so I've seen that kind of being a, a, a nice alternative and stuff like that. But I think the, the dry opportunity is, is will provide that same scent. Because now it's like you can put it down dry or wet. And when it, when it gets wet, it'll activate for you. Well, this one's even a little bit different than that when I went and thought about it more as I was thinking. When you use a synthetic scent, most of them don't decay at all or very slowly. Okay. Um, in this particular one, I was able to make it see a, a little different. When you first put it down, it's going to be like fresh urine with just a little bit of older urine in it. Okay. But even though it's synthetic, I've set it up so it will age like a real urine, slower than normal. But uh -huh. it'll, it'll actually age while other parts of it will actually stay fresh. So what that's going to do is it's going to give the illusion at that scrape that not only did somebody just mark there, another ah. deer marked there a week before that, another deer marked a week right. before that. Really? So you have it very layered. I like that. That's yes. that's very, that's smart chemistry right there. Like a fine wine. Yeah. That's really Good stuff, I'm telling you. It's So anybody that knows me, Brian will tell you, anybody else that knows me will tell you, I don't... Uh, I say what's on my mind. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to. I never heard that about you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say what I'm thinking, and I'm not going to try to throw a bunch of bull out there just to, you know, get somebody to go one way or the other. I'm going to tell you what I truly think about something. And, yes, Brian's my buddy, but what he's got going on is for real. It's legit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it work. I know for a fact. I mean, we use it at Bigger Bucks Outfitters. We, we love doing our mock scrapes, things like that. I mean, it's. I got photographic evidence. I mean, I know it's it's good stuff, so I'm all about it. I'm ready for all the the, the next new. It's always like, what's Brian gonna? What, you don't you don't know what's in his head, man. Uh -huh. And it's just it, it's cool. I like it. So, what was the inspiration behind this then? 
Was it, it just was simply a, that other formula I'm doing. I'm doing a some a liquid version that's going to be very similar to that with the new right. improved tarsal. And it was all about. Uh, we went through the chemistry on the tarsal and, and we was looking at it and I said it's just it's just not right. It, it isn't right with the with the the scientists themselves when they did the studies way back in the seventies. They just got it wrong, and. Uh, I realized that, and I wanted to figure out what it was. So, as you saw the last two years, I sent out all those goofy named test scents. You know, we had about what warm mittens out there was one of them. Okay. Uh, we did one that was the Louisiana special. Uh, um, we did. Uh, oh, I, I can't even remember half the ones I've got them written down, so I can track what they are. But what I was doing was I was testing individual components, and I don't tell anybody necessarily what I'm doing. And sometimes I even throw a few red herrings in there just so I know who's giving me honest opinions back. Okay. And uh, I sent out a lot last year, and uh, most of that was seeking, uh, I'd say 80% of it was seeking just the, our tarsal formula. Cause it, so can I can identify stuff tarsal? chemically. Tarsal is the tarsal gland on the deer. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, and as you know, when they make a mock scrape, they usually will do a, a rub urinate. Uh, they'll rub their hocks together, urinate over their tarsal glands, and then deposit that onto a mock scrape. That how the how the tarsal gland works is actually a very complex biological process, and uh, not as straightforward as you would think. So it took a lot of testing, and you're also looking through a lot of contamination and things. When you know deer walk through all kinds of stuff, right. and so, so you you can identify a lot of pheromones and stuff by their their chemical natures. Um, but you can't prove it. The only way to prove it is to get it out in front of a deer. Mm -hmm. I've got a few testers out there that have access to uh, both, you know, free range, like at, at the biggers. I've right. also have um, some people testing in large penned in areas okay. and with just a deer that they collect urine from, you know, basically pets. But it gives me an opportunity to put a lot of different chemical signals in front of a lot of different deer. So then I can test my hypothesis to see if I'm actually on the right track. And we did a lot of that over the last two years, and, and it, that was that was what's been driving me for this year for the two products I'm working on very hard right now. Um, this one will definitely hit the shelves this year. It's it's ready. It's it was tested last year in a liquid form, um, so I'm very confident in the formula. Uh, but it's going through a little testing early. As you're talking about mock scrapes, I mm -hmm. do them all year round. Yes, uh, you do. You saw on my site, I've got one that was actually using some of that formula on there. Uh, where they've been, you've seen one where they're digging it out of the snow every time it falls. They're digging that mock scrape back out of the snow now, and I haven't put a scent in it since September. Right. Um, they know it's there. They've taken over that scrape, and that's just another phase of the testing. Sun. So this stuff will be out this year. The liquid version, maybe. Uh, right now I'm testing it. Since, as you know, the problem I had was since sometimes you put the chemistry together and it falls apart. Yes. And... Uh, that one, my early attempts at it did uh, it, it went together and then it uh, precipitated out some of the some of the mixture. I think I've got that solved now. But uh, I, unlike the powdered scent, where it's, you know it's not going to separate its powder um, unless it's particulate size differences, but uh, the liquid could still fall apart. So I'm I'm letting it sit for a while and just to make sure that it's going to uh, stay together well mixed in a bottle. I don't like to have products that are shake before use. I do have. Uh, one in particular liquid scent where it is kind of a, you have to shake it before uh, for use. It is kind of a fragile little flower of a scent, but uh, works really well. Mm -hmm. But I, if I can get away from that, and I have actually fixed that one too, but uh, I try to have everything perfected. I guess I'm a perfectionist just in the appearance and stuff too. I get it. 
Now, what about uh, like since you since you farm when when you put an anhydrous down or something when you when your fields after you harvest something in the fall, how, have you seen any um, changes with the deer when with with the mock scraper and that, or do you so, have them far enough apart where you don't have a, a cross contamination? No. It, so that's I'm glad you brought that up. I was just sitting here thinking about that. So humans, no two fingerprints are the same, and like like Brian said, that's the way that's layered. No two deer smell the same. Everything in a deer's life, from the, the second that deer is born till the day he dies, is done by smell. Yes, they can hear good. They can't see real great, but everything goes through that deer's nose. So with these mock scrapes and with Brian's Lucky Number 7 and stuff like that, you make your mock scrape, you put that down, you walk away from it. The first buck comes, his scent's there that scent is going to change over time. The more deer that come to that, it's it's just building up to where that's a community scrape. And how we do them, uh, I might put three or four scrapes on, you know, 30 or 40 acres or run, or run a ridge line or something like that. And if you set your cameras up, and we've done it just out of curiosity before, we'll put a, a tacticam or something on six scrapes in a row. And you can watch them bucks one after the other. So he'll stop at scrape number one, mess around for a minute, go down to scrape number two, mess around, and then right on down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might take him an hour and a half to go 200 yards. But that's then, you know, that that is the, the good thing about the mock scrape. You can get a timeline on them. Okay, this buck is coming through. He started at scrape number one at... Uh, Four o'clock in the morning. It's okay. still dark, but by the time he gets to scrape number four, it's uh, seven thirty in the morning, and that's on on. Uh, he's coming through every third day. He's going to be at scrape number four a lot of times at seven thirty in the morning. You know what I mean? So the actually by that allows you to make a consistent timeline and right. and, and a uh, hypotenuse and when you're going to like well yes. let's set you here for to for put them and put that's a, how we run our yourself. farms and everything okay and, and what brian does is a crucial part on what we do at bigger bucks outfitters you know i can tell a hunter we rotate our farms i can tell uh bob the hunter okay we're getting pictures of this buck i know he's going to be at this scraper coming by this stand uh he uh, tomorrow's his morning. We think he's going to come by here. Okay. Just on our mock scrapes and what our cameras are telling us. And a lot of time, I mean, that's not always exact science, but it's a lot of times it's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer in mock scrapes. I really am. Yeah. Or, or scrapes in general. It's even if even a, a, a natural scrape, put some of that in there and they're going to, it throws them for a little loop. Then, then, Big Buck is thinking, well, where'd this guy come from? So he's he's looking around. Now, he's tearing up all kinds of scrapes, making new scrapes, because he's all jacked up and mad because this new guy's in town. Yeah. So. That is pretty unique. I've, 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 when I, I played with another another um, scent here a few years ago, and it's unique when you put a dominant smell into it, and it's like a, an older, mature deer, and it's like all of a sudden you, you the camera footage I'll get back from, it's always unique. I like doing videos because then I can see them – interact with it and start getting their hooves deep into it and such and even sometimes you catch that that wheat that uh wheeze snuts where right. it's like the like what the is going wheezer. on here yeah right, the snort wheeze yeah so what we do is to with with some of these scrapes and the mock scrapes 
we'll treat them all the same. And it, it might back off some of your smaller bucks, but those big one or two or maybe sometimes three big dominant bucks that you might have on a, on a farm or a bigger farm, uh-huh. it's going to draw them deer in because they're going to want to know what's going on. Who's there that they don't know about? You know what I mean? And that's going to keep them in the area just because that, that that's a make-believe deer that you're putting in that s- scrape, but they don't know that. So they're wondering, well, what the heck's going on here? We don't want this dude around. And that's going to bring them on their feet We'll go out, like if we go to a stand to pick up a hunter, I'll say, oh, hold on, Fred. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to freshen this scrape up here a little bit. All right. At, uh, you know, if we pick them up for lunch at 11.30 or noon or whatever. I'm just, then that, it's, it'll, it'll bring them deer out in the daytime more. They'll get to check. And you can get them. A lot of times you can get them deer on a, to where they're out in the day. You know, yeah, they're hitting them at night, but they're, they're going to think, oh, the deer, you know, this buck's thinking, I checked that scrape at this time last Wednesday. I better go check it again at this time. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how to put it in all the scientific terms like Brian does because I'm a deer <laughs> hunter, but that's that's how I look at it in my head, you know? As I describe it to people, the, the whole key to making a good scent is to be familiar, familiarity to the deer. They, when they smell that, I want the deer to think that is another buck. Maybe they don't know who he is, you know, exactly. but I want them to think like this one is going to smell like a dominant, another dominant buck. And like, uh, as Travis said, that'll rile them big boys up. I'm sure, you might lose a few little, little, you know, it might, it might, it might drive a couple of your 120s and 30s away from you because mm-hmm. they're thinking, just for lack of a better term, they're not wanting to get their ass kicked. That's very so good. Point. That's, but the other big boy, he's thinking there ain't nobody going to kick my butt. I'm staying right here, and I'm going to find him. He wants to fight. He wants to fight. <laughs> yeah. He wants to hang out. That's going to keep him there. Now, have you ever, with your experience with, with your trail camps, have you ever caught, after you're fresh oh, up yeah. a buck, two my, bucks fighting? Yes. I got it on my phone right now. I wish I could show you. I got picture after picture after picture. So, on my phone right here, and I'll show you guys behind me here in just a second, because it's actually really cool. So, we hadn't walked away from that scrape. I bet we weren't gone two hours and on the Tacticam, it went on for an hour and a half. We got tired of watching it. They beat the <laughs> hell out of each other, picture after picture after picture. And then we, then my brother was like, oh, we got that set on video mode too. Oh, it was freaking awesome. I got it all at the lodge. I run it on the big screen in the lodge for guys to watch. They just beat the hell out of each other. Oh, that's exciting. Yep. And we hadn't walked away from that. We weren't, and it was with Brian's stuff, and we weren't away from that for two hours. Wow, that no is, joke. I got it on my phone right here. That is impressive. Yep. But that was that's kind of rewarding for you because I mean you use you being able to to cross promote to collaborate with that aspect for and your and for your it's, it's fairly common. We've had people time it, you know, and they get the same thing. They'll tell me we weren't gone a half an hour and a deer coming. If there's you know if the wind happens to be right and blows into his bedding area, he may get up and go over there and take a look because yeah, he heard you, but he didn't know what you were when he heard you because you know he was probably hundred yards away or more. He was listening to you, and then when he gets that smell, huh, suddenly he's thinking there was a buck over there, and now he's going to take a look at it. So sometimes they show up pretty quick. And, and again, that's familiarity. He smelled what he thought was another deer. Yeah. I hate that term, curiosity sense. You know, curious deer is, deer are curious things, and they're curious sometimes in the middle of the night, though. And, you know, they're also on high alert when they're curious. So if you see somebody saying, well, it's going to make deer curious, yeah, run from that scent. Because, <laughs> you know, you might as well put aqua velva on the ground. Yeah, they might come look at it at midnight, but uh, then they're going to avoid that during the day. So 
Holy buckets. Those guys were just going at I got, it. I got picture after picture after picture. And I, we were afraid that they, the way they look in a couple of these pictures were like, holy crap, they're locked up. Oh. So we actually went back there the next day just to look around to make sure because these guys, they had their, as you can see, their tongues are hanging out. I mean, they're yeah, locked. They're, they're yeah, they were angry. But, but you could see where, I mean, they just tore stuff up and we walked around just to make sure, but they got apart. But I mean, they were, hell, his, his forehead's bleeding. They beat the crap out of each other. And I had a similar experience. Unfortunately, it was, I was hunting or actually, fortunately, I suppose I was hunting. I got to watch it. I was out with the crossbow and uh, I had put out some of our lucky seven, the juice, which is a, uh, a estrus doe, uh, estrus breeding doe, uh, plus a uh, buck challenging scent in there. And oh, wow. I, you, you like layering this stuff. Like, it's like a, it's a, like you, like you mentioned earlier, yes. it's a fine wine. Creating See, situations. He knows how to talk about it. Yeah. I know how to take it out and use it, but he knows how to break it down. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Brian, just give me the stuff and let me use it. <laughs> but he could talk you through it, how to actually do it. I, I put that down. I, and I, one of my target bucks came up and he was 170 class 10 pointer. And he wow. was, he was actually trailing a doe. The doe came in first. And um, he got to the spot where I put the scent down, and he left her. She walked off, and he stayed there. I did try grunting at him with, and I got him to look at me a couple of times. When suddenly we have another, we had another buck that we knew about. Uh, he was about a hundred and fifty class eight pointer, but he had about fifty pounds on the on the bigger rack deer, and he come and hit that bigger uh, that bigger antlered buck with a like like a freight train, um, hit him, knocked him back, knocked him off his feet, drug him for a little bit. Wow! They came apart. The, the, the ten pointer got back up, that eight pointer wung around and hit him again and drove him thirty yards to the brush. And I had a friend of mine hunting about forty yards. This uh, is like the fifth time I've heard this story. He called in it, he <laughs> called me that my, night. It, it was, was one like, of my favorite it's one of my favorite I didn't shoot a deer. I, and I was forty yards away from this, so with the crossbow I wasn't gonna shoot at him. Um it is it's one of my favorite hunts of all time because I never got to see anything like that. And my buddy that's forty yards away to the south, um, he was we were hunting pretty close stands that day. Uh, he heard that, and he was, he, I mean, he called me. He said, what are you doing over there? What are you making all that noise? I said, it's not me. It's two, just our two bruisers out here. And um, <laughs> the best part of the night, there is the picture of him up there afterwards. I saw the 10-pointer the leave the back of the marsh, then tail between his legs after all that. And we got him on camera a couple of days later. He didn't have a tine left on him. They were just, all were just busted. He was so busted up, his ears were drooped. He looked, wow. he looked like he got hit by a truck. and. He was still around, but I think he's a lot more cautious animal after that. <laughs> after that incursion, yeah, because it sounded like that was a heck of a, a war right there. That was a heck of a battle. I've seen deer, you know, I've seen them fight in person before, tinkling around and pushing each other around a little right. bit. And they, I never saw anything like that. It's just that, that eight-pointer was just out for blood. And while he didn't have the biggest rack in the world, he, he had enough body size to That to reminds me of my buck that, that I shot a couple years ago. It's like as soon as I took him off the land, I had four or five new bucks show up. Cause, he, Cause he's just so, he didn't have a big rack, but he's just so thick. Right. I, I, I wanted to, I emphasize with the taxidermist to really emphasize on his neck because it's like, it was just, he just, it, when you see his neck, you understand like how much bigger the body was. He probably was weighed like 250, 275. I had to drag that 300, 300 yards off this guy's property. Cause the guy was a Karen, but it wasn't my fault. I did knock on his door at six o'clock in the morning. I wake up. It's like, Hey, my deer is sitting back there, but he didn't come home until whatever time right. and so it's like i didn't want to butcher i didn't want to gut him right there in his on his land so it's like my wife and i had to drag him across his yard to the neighboring property and it's like it's just two of us like a freight tr- just a train trying to get him out there but by that time rigor more set in so it's like it's just like we're walking with all four legs all yeah. straight out just nothing but trouble so a few years ago it was shortly after brian and i met and i got some of these stuff and i was trying 
trying it out and this and that. So we had a farm. It was 102 acres. We called it the tree farm. It was rows and rows and rows of planted trees. And I had two bucks on that farm, Scrapper and Humpty Dumpty. And they were just uh, Scrapper. The, the neighbor ended up killing him the next year. He's 197-inch deer. The wow. neighbor kid shot him. But good for him. You know, that's great. I just that's, like seeing people great deer. But anyway, I'm sitting in the stand. I was actually had a chance to hunt. And I heard these deer going at it. It's really thick in there. I couldn't see them, but like bro, I could, I could hear them. I never actually seen them, but I could hear them. So we got dark. They're still going at it. This went on for over an hour. It got dark. I'm still sitting in the stand. My brother's texting me, "Hey, are you okay? Where are you at?" And I'm like, "Hey, man, this is, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit here for a while. And I'll climb down, go to the truck, come home." Well, finally, it, they moved on through the brush, you know, and everything settled down. I walked to the truck and go home told my brother all about what i'd heard so the next morning i went back out there to hunt didn't see it. i seen some deer but it wasn't nothing you know major well come to find out on my way walking out i just couldn't like a kid at chris i could not stay away from the i knew i had a camera over in that area and i couldn't stay away from it i had to go pull the card out of it which i don't like to do but i did okay i went and pulled the card went back to the lodge went in the office we're looking through it so scrapper or who was the, the bigger of the two just right after the fight happened to walk by the camera and Humpty Dumpty had poked out his left eye and it was hanging. You see that picture, Brian, with his eyeball. I got it on my phone too. His wow. eyeballs hanging out. Yeah. So the next year, of course now he ain't, uh, the next year was Scrapper's biggest year ever. He had lost his left eye. Uh, opening day of first shotgun season, uh, our neighbor to the east of us, his son killed him at opening morning of shotgun season. Okay. But he was just a, but that's. They get some gruesome injuries. Right. They, they get in there and then we got these mock scrapes and they get to fighting over that stuff. And it's so my, yeah, it was just, it was, it was awesome. That's one of the stories I'll never forget either. But talk about a hell of a testimonial right there with that product. I mean, right. that's just amazing I mean, to see we, that. That was right after I met Brian. We were using, that's was some, your liquid stuff that you had. Smelled good. It was good smelling stuff too. <laughs> I like it. I like smelling it. But um, yeah, they went at it, man, and poked his left eye That's out. That's a challenge now. I got to see if I can make you puke. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's good stuff. Good stuff. So. Some of it smells weird. The glandular stuff. Some of it tends to smell. Some of that glandular stuff, man, is pretty. But straight urine doesn't really smell right. bad. No, straight urine ain't bad. It's not as bad. Some yeah. of that glandular stuff, you don't want to get it on your fingers or like don't wipe if you get it on your face the glandular stuff's more of a uh it's thicker than yeah the gel i do the gel jelly. in the pure it's, it's gooey kind of gooey so do not get that stuff on your fingers and like wipe it on your butt on your pants and then hop in your truck Ooh. and if it's you do linger in there for a while if you do the weird part with preorbital gel when you smell it in a bottle, it's not that bad. It's strong, it's, it's but it's when not. You get it out. Yeah. Okay. You get it out of the bottle, and then you thin it out a little bit. You get that gel thinned out, like when you're brushing on a branch, or you, you put it. If you're gonna try it at home, when you put a little on, on your finger, or limb or something. Okay. Put, put a bit on your finger. Smell it. It'll, it'll smell. Yeah, it won't bother you any. But then smooth it out and rub it in a little bit so it thins out, and then smell it, and it smells just it's, like rot. It's it's, it's awful. Loud. But they love it. Then bucks love that. Mm-hmm. See, that was when I asked you like how you apply it. Then it's like that's where you tip you. Do you apply that near mock scrape, or do you apply, how do you apply it to your in your property? So I'll put some. I'll make my mock scrape, and I and I do a lot of horizontal rub stuff. I'll put a little bit on the. I'll take a pine limb, you know, yay big round, eight feet long. Put it a, 
foot and a half up off the ground. Put it and a dab will do you a little bit on there, and then they take it from there. I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them rip them pine limbs completely off the trees. I mean, they'll just tear the hell out of them. Wow! Just yes. to make you, just to make sure, yeah. like, hey, don't be messing with my spot. Right. The the yeah. licking branch or the horizontal part of it is actually more important a lot of times than the actual scrape the actual on the ground scrape itself. And a lot of guys don't realize that. Yeah, that's that's news to me too. Huh. So, like, when you do your horizontal scrape, how? high do you bring up the ground like you mentioned a foot so is that the average a, 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 even a big mature whitetail buck isn't as tall as a guy seems to think that they are oh you only need to be about a foot and a half off the ground okay and they'll just they'll rub the crap out of that i take a pine limb how three inch diameter pine limb maybe yeah uh, we got a bunch of pine trees around the, and it's, and a lot of guys oh will you cedar this and that well they like the pine for some reason, I don't know what I, I think found. they like it because it's softer. I re- it's, it's it, the, it really it's rips the pine, up. Something about the pine sap. I don't know, but uh-huh. um, an old guy in Iowa started it years ago, and I just I so I don't want everybody thinking, oh, Travis came up with this because no, he didn't. Okay. An old boy in Iowa started this. I read his books, watched these videos, and like, wow, this is super cool. So I started making them too. When I was 15 years old, I was cutting pine limbs out of the tree behind mom and dad's house. My dad's okay. like, what the hell are you doing? Cutting my tree up? Well, okay. this is what I'm doing. So. I cut them seven, eight foot long, just a limb coming out of the pine tree. I cut all the limbs off of that till I just got like some left at the end. I'll take some baling twine or wire, get me two trees that are five foot apart, wire that up a foot and a half off the ground or so, make my mock scrape at one end of that. Okay. And then they'll just, once they find that man, it's... You just have to try it. It's unbelievable you, how they, they'll tear that you up. You can see natural ones. We get them. I, I like swamp properties, and I own a couple swamp properties. We get a lot of tag alders. You know, the, they're a bush. Um, they don't get, what, 15 feet Oh, and they get tall. bent over and stuff. You know, when those limbs bend over, you get a good-sized mm-hmm. limb. will bend over on that tag alder. You'll yeah. often find a scrape down there, and they're rubbing it, and it's gone horizontal on its own, and they're, they'll rub the living crud out of that. See, I, I don't, I've never, I don't, I don't, the places I've hunted don't have those on the, on the, down in, down in uh, southeast I, or Wisconsin, so I don't, I've never, so it's like, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. I'll actually look, do some, on some Onyx uh, uh, sc- scouting to see if I can find that combination. And the other and, thing, I mean, other things make good uh, licking, you know, just a regular branch overhanging. And you said they can be anywhere from a foot off the ground till you get right. sometimes put Try them six feet off. Try and stay as natural off. as you can. Okay. If you put them up too high, you'll see on the camera sometimes the deer will get up on their back on their legs. And I've seen those. I've seen that. It. Yeah. Uh, so the ideal, I, what I try to do is I walk to some or bucks I'm hunting, I try to put it, you know, right where the gut is on me. Right. <laughs> okay. And I find that's a pretty good height for the ones I do. So I find a branch that's gut high for me. I put a scrape underneath it, put that on there. But I've used now ropes and vines and, and mm-hmm. no they'll use a rope too hang it in the tree and and there's a we did one last year we hung one over a scrape and they knocked that rope around pretty good and we even had a didn't have a very thick rope but a fairly thin one they still looks like they're playing with it you know they kind of knock it back and mm-hmm. forth right. yeah I've, I've gotten leave, pictures of that leave, leave the end of the rope uh so toward it gets kind of frizzled up yeah and they'll, yeah yeah they'll have a blast with that and a lot of times i think they're playing with it more than anything really that's what it almost seems like. They're very playful. They're not yeah, very they aggressive. Are. They're leaving set behind, a, too. A deer is a playful playing. animal. Mm-hmm. You can watch mature bucks in the summertime when they're in velvet. They'll hop around out in a soybean field playing. I mean, they are. They, But then when, you know, fall rolls around, they got their pecking order. They know who the boss is. Mm-hmm. And the ones know that, you know, we better leave him alone. He'll whip our ass. So it's, they, they know what's going on. I mean, 
it's I love it. I love everything about deer hunting. So what's coming? What's what's uh, on the next for this upcoming fall? Because I mean, we're just talking months away now. <laughs> you, you get a little excited there. <laughs> oh, I I am. I, um, I it's like I live and breathe deer hunting or, or hunting in the outdoors stuff like that. So what do you guys have planned for this upcoming uh, spring? Because you guys do you guys do turkey? Yeah. Out there so we well? got turkey hunts coming up. Uh, our first turkey season starts April 11th. We'll run through the second week of May for that, and then I usually wait till after turkey season, and that's when we're gonna hit the ground. That's when we start putting our cameras back out, getting everything refreshed, get our mock scrapes and everything out, and things like that. Yep. So you actually pull your cameras down? Yeah, I pull them down for a while just to let everything kind of rest, you know, just to let everything be all natural. We'll bring all the cameras in, clean everything up, whatever cameras we got issues with we'll fix we we run a lot of cameras we run over 60 tacticams alone which makes it well you guys eight eight thousand acres so yeah. that really takes a, a lot of um coverage to make and sure that, you're that's not providing counting, that. you know because a lot of the tacticams we'll put out we just leave them alone and then we run a lot of like other like a wild game innovation cameras to where uh we'll go check them every two weeks or so roughly okay while we're out there doing what we got to do we'll pull the card we get in we get out and we keep a pretty good uh, record profile. on what we got yeah. going on, yeah. I do, a little, I do a little different. I have, um, I'd say, the, the best cams. I have our Tacticams. I've got one out there that's been out there. It's got to be it's right when they came out, right. one of the originals. It's two been out years. there two and a half, it's been, it's two, been two, two and a half years. years. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I have it on a solar system. I, I built a solar panel for it and a, and a big uh, SLA battery for it. And it's, so it's out there 24-7, 365. It's never come in. And it just never stops taking pictures and sending them to me. That's great. I've got some. We won't name the brand on the other ones that are a lot more problematic on the other yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah I, I have problematic I have some, cameras out there. I have some. We, I have some of the same ones you do with the, with the problematic ones. So yeah, I know what you mean. So and, I, like, and I'm not trying to put a plug out there for Tacticam, but I, if it works, it works. I mean, yeah, they're, they they're are, an awesome camera. They and really kind of set the standard, and especially the price they're, point is man, very ergonomic. good, and it's not any. The price point's the same as the. The other cameras that don't work so well it's funny right. and and I mean, they, the only reason i don't put my i, I have uh, uh this other brand out of my other place on solar panel and stuff and one of the reasons i haven't put my tactic cams out there is i have bears and uh, ah. i have fed we fed three cameras to bears last year right. and i don't want them to get my tactic cams because they're harder to get so i don't <laughs> put them out there i put the other ones out there and you should uh, swing by the sky high mountain uh mounting system out there so that where, where it's a, just a telescoping pole easy to Manipulate the problem I have is that uh, this one I have a solar panel that's about as high as I can reach, so that's probably close to at least seven feet up there. Yeah. yeah. The problem is the big bears don't bother with them. I mean, I've got a six hundred and fifty pound bear running around their board that he he doesn't cause any problems. But we also have this two hundred pound bore that climbs up the tree, rips the camera, busts the antenna off, chews on it, pulls the solar panel down. Oh, from jeez. He goes over to the neighbor's cabin about a mile away, rip their outside lights off the cabin. He's just a oh, jerk asshole. of a bear. There's nothing you, you can, I, it doesn't matter how you put it. The, the big guys can't climb up. So I don't think he, he might be able to reach some feet, but he ain't going to climb that tree. He's, yeah, he's old enough. He didn't like, I'm not doing that. And they, you know, the bears are worse than deer. They, they you think people think you can't fool a, a deer's nose, try and fool a bear's nose. It's like they say the deer will smell you when you're 100 yards away, but the bear smelled you when you left the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys watched that uh, meteor episode where they're out bear hunting out there in Montana. They had a bear wolf, uh, right. went from about a thousand yards. Yeah. I had one sent me last year. I had, I had a, several deer around me, nothing I wanted to shoot. Um, but I had, I had walked in a specific direction and I seen a bear come down that trail. I caught glimpse of him through the brush and he got right to where I crossed and sir, 
whoa, you know, all the deer took off, left, and I don't know which bear it was. Um, there's there's quite a few of them around there, but that, that scared everything off. But he, I had just walked through there. I I take care of my scent. You know, I wash the scent for clothes. I spray down with our our own scent killer stuff and all that, and it works fine. The deer don't detect you. He got right where I walked, and that bear knew it. And deer had just walked through there not long before that, and never picked up anything. So okay. Interesting. So, man, it's like, so are you going to start dabbling in into bear scent killing? It's so hard where I, my land is to get a bear permit. You get it on a point system that averages about every seven years. Oh, wow. Um, I'm looking for someone that may want to come shoot bears there. I, I, I may allow someone to bait in one area and, and, and uh-huh. shoot a bear, but I doubt it's going to be me. Unless it's that 200-pounder... That'll be an off the book thing. So I'm not just <laughs> I, I, everybody's really mad. I, I would pay somebody to come out there and choose use their tag on that um, guy. There's a buddy of mine here that's working with that Sky Mountain Sky Mountain system over there. His name's Ryan Dart, Nord, uh, Nordahl, and not not only did he get a tag, but his two boys got tags too as well. So I don't, I'm not sure what zone they applied for, but they they applied last fall and they got a point this spring. So I don't I'm not sure if they're yeah. There are zone. other zones that are easier. Mine is the toughest, I guess, to get them, but. You guys, is, it, is your area known for producing trophy bear? Uh, we see enough big bears up there. I mean, it's not, it's pretty, or com- just a lot, pretty common a, to a see them. A small population, maybe. No, I, I said, everyone you're driving up there, we've, they've been out in the field. There's somebody that actually took some pictures of them just down the road of us of a couple other bears that I had never seen before and didn't know about. Um, so there's, and talking to the neighbors that have been there, I bought this property last year. Okay. Um, so I don't know a ton, but I talked to neighbors and they say there's a, plenty of bears and they're kind of a nuisance at this point. I don't know why they're not, you know, DNR, I'm not sure why they do what they do sometimes. And but for yeah, a reason, they don't yeah. want to take them out. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a 40 acre property and I know I have three resident bears running around that I've got pictures wow. of. They're really, they're, I'm surprised they're that kind of that chummy to, to be that close to each other. Yeah, we've got the, the big boar, we've got that smaller boar. And then we have about a, I don't know, about a 400 pound sow, a big sow that runs around. And then just down the road, there's a guy that had a picture of two nice sows down there. So, there's plenty. Of, it's farm country though too, so there okay. is food. It's 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 uh, just north of Highway Eight in the farm country, backed by a big bunch of wet cedar land. So they've got enough places they can go and hide, and enough food that they can find. Not a big bear hunter or anything, but uh, that sounds like we guys have a, a fantastic relationship. Man, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, we hit some really cool points. So, like, everything with you guys is with your products, with your with your system down there, with your outfitters down yes, there in, in Media, Illinois, correct? Media, Illinois, Henderson County. Yes, sir. Awesome, man. I, it's like, the funny thing is I'm not that far away when I drive down. I'll be going down there here in a couple weeks to go down to visit my you're, in-laws. You're always welcome. Stop by and check it out, I man. Should, we should do that. I, I'll talk to my wife and see what we can do because I'm trying yeah. to get her to try to take either Monday or we have Friday a, off to make We always have a, a nice gathering for 4th of July. Uh, Brian made it down for our 4th of July last year. It's yeah, he told it's me about it. You guys of, cooked up a lot of food. I mean, we it was a lot of food. We blow a lot of stuff Viking. up. I got some buddies that do some pyrotechnic stuffs up around Chicago, and they're all licensed, so they get the big fireworks. They come down and yeah, shoot them. It was a pretty good show, wasn't it, Brian? Yeah, it was very good. It was <laughs> yeah. better than most of the fairs and stuff. It was you go better to. than it a was, lot of your big ones put and on. It was I mean, it was long. It was over twenty minutes, almost thirty minutes long. Yeah, yes, wow, thirty minutes long, and not and just it, every two two minutes of a fire. Right. I mean, that was just constant one after another. We crammed. Uh, 50 pounds of Tannerite into a plastic <laughs> Christmas tub. Okay. Oh, boy. Shot with a 6.5 Creedmoor. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. So we decided this year we're going to do 100 pounds in a, uh, in a, in a, like an old Ford Escort. <laughs> we're going to see what yes. happens to see that. See if you can launch it. 
See oh. if we can blow a Ford Escort apart. Because they're 50 pounds left a some little small cars. Yeah, we're just going to, yeah, whatever. We're just going to, my buddy has a scrapyard. I'm going to go get a little car and <laughs> put 100 pounds of Tannerite in it and see what happens. Oh, boy. That's going to be fun. Make sure everybody's Oh, yeah. Safe. We're going to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're using 6.5 Creedmoor. You can be, you can be a good thousand We're going to reach out there ways and get it, yeah. No, no. Do you reload or anything like that, too? Just kinda, No. Just don't, just, I know you yeah. had a lot on your plate. Yeah, we got a lot going on. We got guys. So we do, we do coyote hunts, stuff like that. So we got guys come in and take care of coyote hunting for us. Uh, we do coyote hunts, turkey hunts, deer hunts. Uh, we're in the process now. Do, we're do you ever a... cross paths with Bob Mattingly then since he's so close? Because he's a, he mm. loves, he's uh mid seventies, but he loves coyote hunt. Absolutely loves it. And he runs the a crew of young guys out there. They travel so around do, and get after um, Like the, the guys with Moonlight and Outdoors and the HIT oh, okay. guys um, from Indiana. Uh, they hit outdoor guys. Uh, they come in, kill a lot of coyotes. So last here, just not too long ago, I, I had to go to Des Moines for the uh, the deer classic, the Iowa deer classic out there. Yeah, I was there. I was there too with, with the whole yeah. herd, with the tornado and everything. So, yeah, yeah, the tornado and all that. That was pretty. But <laughs> anyway, um, all my Indiana guys that came in the night before, they got to the lodge. There was six of them, I think, showed up with moonlight and outdoors and HIT from out there in Indiana. They showed up at 8 o'clock at night. They decided they were just going to go out and call coyotes in because they got all the fancy stuff. Yeah. By 7 o'clock the next morning, they had nine coyotes dead. Wow. They killed, throughout the course of three days, they killed 15. Jeez. That's so, impressive. Right. Like where I grew up in, in uh, southeastern Minnesota, there, there was a kid in uh, 2020, he killed 178 coyotes and in a 30-square-mile area because nobody hunts them out there. So he was just pretty much going door-to-door, hey, can I hunt your land, can I hunt your land? And just he, nailing them. Oh, oh, yeah, because nobody's hunting them for so long, so we just go down the road with the electric car and, and have a blast. nobody's going to tell them no for coyotes. Everybody wants the coyote oh, shot. Oh, yeah, exactly. Terrible, so. Man, we so have think, a lot of fun. I think we're, we're right at the perfect spot to end. I really greatly appreciate you, Travis, for coming over. Thank you, Brian, for coming on down. But I will let you get back to your guys' booths and start selling some stuff. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. You're very welcome. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Brian. Thanks a lot.